All right, Friday yet again. I don't know what happened. I went to bed feeling okay. Got up feeling like, I don't know, junk. But that's all right because we just pushed through. We just pushed through. No rest in the ideological combat. Carpro.com talk line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line 71307. We are streaming live on the WORD Facebook page, X page, uh, Instagram page, and Rumble page. Before anybody asks me about permitless carry, let me simply say this. We're not going to be 28th to get permitless carry, unless I'm, unless I'm absolutely wrong about this, because right now, here's what we got. We got the House Republicans who are deathly afraid of being, because NRA, the irrelevant NRA right now, they are irrelevant. They have come down and said, if you vote for this, we're going to, we're going to grade you. And everybody there is like, oh, well, we can't have that. I might not get reelected. We've got the Senate, who uh, the Senate is where most of the, of the really decent conservative things go to die anyway. And this time they let this one out with some really bad caveats, no doubt about it. Like Amendment 36, you know, the one, the the, the increased crime thing. Completely stupid. Um, I'm, I'm not surprised that they exempted themselves from this because they probably commit more crimes themselves than do uh, gun carriers. But that's all beside the point. So at this particular moment, I'm sitting back with in, in a, uh, I don't know what kind of state I'm in. I don't know. I don't really know. Uh, I'm sitting here and, uh, you know, we, we have this good chance to be 28th. Maybe we'll be 38th. Maybe we'll never get it. Maybe we'll never get it. Because too many people want a perfect bill. Too many people want a flawed bill. And nobody seems to be able to get together and be adults and figure out how to make just a good bill. One that doesn't weigh, you know, put a thumb on the scale. But, you know, that's just me. We've heard many times from FBI Director Christopher Wray about cyber attacks on the electric grid, the transportation centers, the energy facilities that would almost all destroy our economy. And it's not hypothetical. It happens today. Countless schools, hospitals, and private firms have been hit with these uh Attacks, ransomware, millions in ransom have been paid to hackers. But let's, you know, let's do some critical thinking and, and, and think about what they could possibly do um, that would have such a ripple effect that it would cause absolute disarray. What if they crashed the system that controls SNAP, the supplemental nutrition assistance program, food stamps. What if they crashed that on the last day of the month? What if they What if they made that crash? What if they tore it apart so bad that on the last day of the month there were going to be no food stamps going out? First of all, you got two levels. You got the uh, feds that handle it, then they, they, they work with the states. And uh, you get a credit card-like electronic benefit card. And in 2023, some 42 million Americans participated in the SNAP program, and it cost $113 billion. This is, these are families with a gross monthly income of $3,000 or less that are eligible. And SNAP has expanded, especially under the, the resident. 
and covers nearly all food a family might need except for tobacco products, alcoholic beverages, pet food, already cooked food, medicine, and diapers. In 2020, 27% of SNAP recipients were black, probably in the blue cities. And they do stumble sometimes. They've stumbled in Georgia. They've stumbled in Nebraska. But what if they disrupted the entire SNAP network? If, what if all of a sudden 43 million people could not pay for their food? Because most of these people don't have other forms of revenue coming in. What, what, what if that happened? First of all, SNAP itself would be besieged by tens of thousands of frantic messages from the local SNAP administrators. And uh, they would be told by the Washingtonian SNAP administrators that the entire network is down. We have no idea how to fix it. And it may take weeks to get it running again. So, a few may have some savings or they may borrow from friends and or family. But for millions then, the adage, people only seven missed meals away from murder, now becomes relevant. And this is especially true if children depend on SNAP to provide food. It would almost be, see, I'm not saying these are bad people, but desperate people do desperate things. And we would suddenly resemble a famine-plagued Africa. And all of these free food banks, they would be done in, I mean, in a day. They'd be cleaned out. So now we got a bunch of people, millions of people faced with starvation and no, no discernible way they're going to be able to fix this. And, uh, you know, in the, in the inner city, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad in the inner city. We might see some of that here. I don't know how dense the SNAP recipients are, say, here in this, in this part of the world. But it's going to be bad. And word would quickly spread to other shoppers as they're coming in that their EBT card doesn't work. And the mayhem commences. And then people that normally would never do anything wrong at all, who are completely dependent upon this, would all of a sudden become dangerous. Now, some are just going to leave the store without paying and keep their groceries. Others will return to shopping to stock up before the shelves go bare. Store security will be helpless. They will, you know, they should just go smoke them if they got them. And calling the police is futile because, uh, there's just not enough of them. There's not enough of them to stop this in one store, much less in every store, say, right around here where we live. And if you did manage to arrest some people, that could be a recipe for rioting. And all of this brought to you by the smartphone, by the way. The smartphone would be the way that all of this got out, the word of mouth. Riot is on. And with no prospect of government-paid-for food, looting becomes survival. Shoplifters who once favored Dior handbags are going to be scooping up the spam. So, they might even battle each other for control, and many American cities will come to you know look a lot like present-day Haiti. <laughs> and government's not going to be able to do anything for you. It's going to come down to your community if this happens, right? But... You couldn't mobilize the National Guard to restore order with this. There's just too much of this out there. And after the big city Walmarts and Costcos are depleted, then they might be headed to the suburbs looking for imported delicacies and uh, prime beef. Trucks carrying food would be intercepted and hijacked on the street. It would be a Mad Max sort of scenario.
And with all of the markets exhausted, your house could be next. And in a week or two, the government might be able to establish a free food distribution center, as they do now in sub-Saharan Africa. But even after it's fixed, it would take months before the food distribution returns to normal. So... Some cities would not recover from this at all, never fully, and damage would be measured in the trillions. And who knows if they're going to do this? I, you know, if if this occurs to me, I would imagine it occurs to them because I don't think like a hacker does. Hackers have a much or, more ordered, complicated way of thinking. But in 2021, they announced a five billion dollar program to strengthen their service. The, uh, the best thing they could do would be to close their system off altogether and uh, not let anything in there if they possibly can. But given how reliant we are now on the digital versus the analog, you remember, with food stamps, you actually used to physically get stamps, right? You used to get coupons. That was the analog. And they can't hack the coupon. But we don't have the coupon no more. You got a card because you wanted to get a one, one of those little front pocket wallets and just carry cards. So you got a card now and what should be our strength is now our weakness. And that's just me musing out loud. I think now after, uh, and we're going to talk about the president's little meltdown last night later on, but I think now the Democrats have begun to understand just exactly how much trouble they are in with their, with, with the chosen one, with the resident. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. You know, before Joe Biden was demented, it was very evident that he was a butter knife in the steak knife rack. He's never been a he's never been a genius. He's always been a mental midget. The carpro.com talk line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. He's always been a walking gaff machine. But he ha he's always been a part of the nest of vipers, no doubt about it. And uh, But now it's bad enough that the asteristical president is incapable of taking scripted questions from predetermined and friendly reporters. That's really bad. That's... That's that's a tell. But he has not aged very well at all. They have impaired him beyond even the most basic cognitive and physical function. He walks around shuffling like he's lost. He's not he can't tell the difference between the G7 summit and the White House Rose Garden. His inability to remember key details uh well, you know, when, when you're walking, he, he's the leader of the free world. He holds the highest, most powerful office on the planet, and he's a joke. And the looming question becomes, who's going to replace Biden on the Democrat ticket in 2024? That's been a topic throughout his pres presidency. I mean, from the day he got sworn in, and these discussions seem to have gone by the wayside. And we're all meant to assume that the Democrats are prepared to have him headline. <laughs> uh. 
For some, there there's some that would say that the process has gone too far along for this to change now. Uh, Thomas Grift at the conversation asks, is it too late for Biden to bow out in 2024? Te technically, no, he answers, but suggests it's unlikely due to 30 states already having passed the deadline to get names on the primary ballot. And if Biden isn't replaced by March, he says, there would be a high-stakes fracas at the party's convention. Politics are always uncertain, and predictions are never not risky. They're always risky. Um, but when Biden appears on the Democratic ticket in 2024, then it's going to be a catastrophe for the Democrats because he has made himself completely unelectable now. Now, I let, let me qualify this for you, okay? The Democrats, or the communists as I call them, they are without a doubt evil, but they are not diabolical geniuses. And I don't think they're too stupid to recognize this. Some things are very obvious that almost everyone can see them. And if you watch Biden bumble around enough and led around by his handlers for a few years, a full 77% of Americans feel that Biden is he's just not there enough to serve another term in office for all the any reason which would have been impossible to ignore. And when you start talking about politics, when you look at a number 77%, that's a landslide. I couldn't get, if I got seven guys that own guns, or if I had 10 guys that own guns in there, I can't get seven of them to agree on one thing when it comes to guns. Can't. Very hard to do. Almost eight. And the higher, that's higher than the percentage of Americans who say the American flag makes them feel proud. 77% of Americans, including 69% of Democrats, think that Biden is just not there enough for a second term. Now, in the question of which candidate has the mental and physical health to be president, Donald Trump has a 23-point lead over Biden. Once again, that's a landslide. On the matter who might secure the border and control immigration, Trump owns a 35-point lead. Who can deal better with the economy? Trump by 21 points. Dealing with crime and violence? Trump by 21 points. The only issue where Biden actually leads Trump is on abortion by 12 points and climate. But that's not a big priority as a top issue. Only by 21% of American voters today. And see... Each respondent to that poll was allowed to select three of their top issues. And given the fact that these two issues tend to be peculiarly prioritized only by the, you know, the Chardonnay swilling leftists out there. Um, well, it's not very good. Let's go. Let me, let me pop that up one more time and take a second glance at that. Uh, let's talk to Marion Greenville. Wants to talk about the DNC replacing Biden after the primary. Yes, ma'am. Hey, Bill. I really enjoy your show. Thank you. Um, my my speculation is that a a way to get rid of both Biden and Kamala for the Democrats is to let this thing go all the way through the convention. They nominate Biden because he'll win the primaries. And then after the convention, he can come out and say, I've decided uh, for the good of the country, for the good of the Democrats to resign 
uh, I'm going to pardon my son today, and that would remove him and Kamala. Uh, he would not resign immediately. He would serve out the rest of his term. But what that would allow the DNC to do, the DNC is chaired by Jamie Harrison of South Carolina, who ran against Lindsey Graham. He's an avowed Marxist. It would allow the DNC to choose the successor to Biden and Harris as a team who would run against uh, hopefully Trump, but possibly Nikki, if they convict Trump and throw him in prison before August. And um, and that would open the door to Michelle Obama or Gavin Newsom. Right. Legitimate. Well, um, it, uh, from I, from the from the Democratic. Democratic point of view, legitimate. Yes. There, the there's a, see, and I'll tell you the only problem they would have with this, and it would all be logistical. I don't put it past them to do that at all. I don't. The only problem is, is that uh, then they have to put things on the ground after the DNC convention is in August. Yeah. So if we go along with this and he gets named the nominee, let's say on the 23rd of August, which is the Friday after the convention closes, he decides to drop out and now he's going to open it up and handpick a successor or give it over to Jamie Harrison to pick the successor, whoever that's going to be. Then they have to get, then they have to go back. Cause like I said, 30 States have already gone past the point of no return to file paperwork to actually be in on this one, which these people will not have in August. The other problem is they're not going to have a ground game in all of these states. They're not going to have a staff put together. I mean, the, these things have become such enormous affairs that unless they're actually doing it right now and we don't know about it, which that could also be a possibility, unless they're doing yeah. that right now, uh, there's not going to be a whole enough time for them to put it together then. And given the way they do things, because like I said, they're, they, they have a lot of bad intentions. But they're not geniuses, but, you know, they're not like Dr. Evil. They don't have these evil cunning plans. I just don't right. see it logistically being doable. That doesn't mean it can't be because I just said uh, politics. You can't predict politics. So I, I, I share one more thing with you. Yeah. Um, I was at a Republican fundraiser in Union County, North Carolina, about two weeks ago, actually two weeks ago today. And Representative Ralph Norman was the guest speaker. Okay. Uh, he told 250 of us that uh, we need to be prepared for the release of another virus this fall, which they will use to shut us down and mandate mail-in ballots, which is what they used in 2020. And did he give and, any specifics to that? He, of course, did not. He did not say what his source was nor when it would be done. He just said, be prepared for it. Well, I mean, and now for you, was that news that you saw how no. COVID went? Do you think, do you think in your mind of minds they wouldn't try that again? You you already knew that, right? No, no, I already knew that. I expected it, but it was a little bit surprising coming from a member of Congress who did, could did, have been quoted on tape. You know, did, did did anybody by any chance ask him for specifics? No, no one did. Yeah. That was okay. that was it was pretty silent. Yeah, silent okay. room. Yeah. All right. Um, it's not going to work again. COVID was the biggest mistake they ever made. They they shook everybody awake. Every uh, People, not like you, you were already awake. Uh, the, the people yeah. that have been sleeping through this, the, the low, low uh, info voter, they shook them awake. Mary, I'm running out of time. Excellent call. Thank you very much. Have a good weekend. Um, yeah, I did not know that about uh, 
Mr. Norman, I, maybe I need to contact him and see if he'd like to, uh, like to, uh, you know, expand all that a little bit. Do you think AM radio has become obsolete overnight? Do you think? This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Going to take you down memory lane to tell you how important one thing is. G, uh, excuse me. Carpro.com. I knew I'd make that mistake sooner or later. Carpro.com talk line 1-800-905-0989. Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. Streaming live on Facebook, X, Instagram, and Rumble. When I was in the military, my primary MOS was that of a, I was a 31 Charlie rat rig operator. The rat rig was a radio teletype rig, and we used this, or it was used, to send orders of such a detailed nature that the details mattered. The thing was a, it was it was AM, amplitude modulation. We would skip a wave off of an antenna. At a forty-five degree angle, we'd skip it off of the upper atmosphere and shoot it somewhere as far as nineteen hundred miles away. It was very reliable, but it was very dangerous because there, there's a couple of places you did not want to be when we keyed up the mic. You did not want to be grabbing onto the antenna because it would kill you. You did not want to touch the antenna where it was coming into the radio or it would kill you. There was a lot of things that could happen with that thing that would kill you. But it was powerful. And during daylight, during a nice, if you woke up in a, on a nice spring morning with some moisture in the air, we could almost probably circumnavigate the globe with a shot if we had if we had did it at the right time. It was just that powerful. Now they want to do away with AM radio, and this is all being driven primarily by the electronic vehicles because AM radio doesn't sound good in an electronic vehicle. So, uh, having said that. Why? Why, why would you take AM radio, which that led the re, that, that led the resurgence of radio? You know, that's where Wolfman Jack came from. That's where Cousin Brucey on WABC came from, right? That's how Rush Limbaugh, Rush Limbaugh single-handedly brought back AM radio. And uh, the, the EV folks want to make it go the way of the 8-track and the CD player and the ashtray and the cigarette lighters. Now... Surprisingly, <laughs> Congress, bipartisan Congress, wants to make sure that AM radio is available in all new vehicles. And that's surprising for me because a lot of conservative talk goes up and down the dial on AM radio. But like I said, this is an electric vehicle crusade. And apparently the static produced by, the, by an EV interferes with the reception, which makes AM expendable according to the EV and the green lobby, green energy lobby guys, who desire everything electric except for a border fence. And they're also howling about the cost on the automaker side as if this is some coerced satellite radio program that, near, that is nearly impossible to cancel. The AM receiver in your car is cheaper than your glove compartment that nobody keeps gloves in. 
The car companies have already lobbied more money fighting this than they could possibly save. And in a lot of places in rural America, I mean, AM radio in its heyday was the Internet of the time. This is where everybody went when they couldn't find something. When FM came out, FM was poor. The reception was poor and it was spotty. AM radio was always good to go coming out in mono. You know, you still I mean, I used to listen to radio on uh, music on AM radio. And it wasn't the stereophonic audio file experience that it is on FM, but I could still get it and it still didn't mess up. AM radio stations are like the local post offices and a historical part of our greatness. And they're also the anchor of the emergency communication network since its inception, which is one reason why we used to use this in the military. Right after I got out of the military, we were done away with the, the, the 31 series was done away with. They went with some sort of uh some sort of uh, cellular sort of setup. And I don't even know what generation they're on now. But one thing about that particular setup was it was foolproof. <laughs> it was the old analog, the old technology, right? The old technology. Trusting a smartphone for an emergency broadcast over a network that is susceptible to the elements and gets overwhelmed makes you a victim in waiting. You might be sitting there going, I just felt some rumbling. And I, I, I taste salt in the air. You know, tsunami is bearing down on you and you don't know it. You're sitting there going, I'm waiting for the emergency broadcast system on my phone. But here's, here's the thing about AM radio and everything about this, about anything that's out there available to us. This should all be left in the hands of the market, not the auto industry, not the politicians. If market forces applied, electric vehicles would be withering on the vine along with plenty of the other government subsidized businesses. Right now, there's, uh, according to Nielsen, there's more than 4,500 4, 4, AM stations reaching 78 million people. So there's a market. It isn't the 1970s market, but it is a market anyway. It used to be that a radio was an option. It was a, it was a luxury. And if a buyer wants AM, include it as an option. And government automotive meddling always been there long history and that needs to end and that includes fuel efficiency and emissions and bailouts and tax credits and financing and radio old tech is the best tech when it comes to being proven and effective every now and then something that starts out out there it eats itself and then it becomes a caricature and i'm just popping the corn I'll tell you about that in just a minute. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. The carpro.com talk line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. As we listen to, you hear that guy? That's a genius. That was that man was a genius. That voice, good Lord, have mercy. LGBTQ, there's a lot of problems in LGBTQ plus land. The whole transgender component of that, they're not playing very well with the lesbian and the gay component. Now see, we as heterosexuals, 
we have Tinder, I guess. I've never used When I hear people saying, well, I, I can't find anybody I like on the Tinder app. I'm like, maybe you should go somewhere where you could actually meet somebody physically. See if there's any chemistry between you guys before you're swiping on the on your phone. Maybe maybe that I don't know. They always look at you like you've grown a second head. Uh, for for the gay culture, for people that are gay, Grinder is the original gay hookup app. And uh, Grinder has now they're now being accused of homophobia for refusing to let people narrow hookup choices to their own sex. You know, that that's one of those things that I couldn't possibly make up. I couldn't possibly do a satire where this happens to them. This, yeah, I, I'm just not that brilliant. Transgenderism, which is not even really a thing, uh, it, it does really good things about tearing down everything else. We went from being nice people not wanting to see our homosexual friends and relatives arrested to overlooking how gay promiscuity fueled AIDS spread to all out Democrat support for gay marriage. And then naive people outside and inside of the LGBTQ plus community thought that all is good and now it ends. But as soon as they got the sexual orientation uh, affirmation from the Supreme Court, then they move straight into gender identity. And the Supreme Court, courtesy of Justice Gorsuch, introduced gender identity into the employment system when he insisted the word sex in the Civil Rights Act didn't mean what Congress intended it to mean. In 1964, sex had one meaning, the male-female binary. But Gorsuch announced that sex means whatever today's dictionary writers all of them leftists, by the way, say it means, and they say it means gender identity or transgenderism. And that in turn means people announcing that they can magically and legally switch their genetic sex by simply announcing that fact. And across the land, the LGBTQ plus activists everywhere, they celebrated that so-called transgender people were now legally and culturally recognized in what was once considered a homo homosexual rights movement, that was considered a huge victory. And those men whining about, uh, or those people whining about men taking away women's places in sports, well, we're just poor losers. On the text line, I'm being told they are uh, closing all the places to meet people. That I know. And I know I'm about to go off on a tangent, but when, listen to me, children. In the 80s, in the, seven, in the late 70s and 80s, Greenville was Court City. Up there on Main Street, you had a club called Today's, where that nice big apartment complex is now. There was a club called Today's, burned to the ground. At Vaughn's and East North Street, there was a club called Tramps, just empty. It's just nothing now. Uh down on Wade Hampton Boulevard, you had a club called Everything. It was the Brickyard, it was Dooley's, it was Celebrities. And in those days, children, we used to, uh, we, males and females, would put on uh, m the most 
crazy clothes you've ever seen in your life. We thought it was stylish. We would go there. We would hang out. We would meet. We would pair off. We would get married. Everybody would live happily ever after. We would actually meet each other face to face. Whoa. We would touch hands. Shake. How, how do you do? I, I guess now if you have to have an app to have that, you guys don't know what you're missing. You really do not know what you're missing. That whole, that, that whole, that time, if there was anything great about that time, it was that the interaction between people. But back to the LGBTQ people. Um, they're coming down against Grinder because of, I don't know. And this is this is what happens when you have a leftist thing that gets out there. Eventually, everybody that gets in there that's going to come in there and, and flock to it, eventually it's not going to be quite the way they want it. And this is the thing. When you have no limit, when you have no guidelines, when you have no, no rules, and you can just make stuff up as you go, of course it's going to go sideways. So we get this on, on Twitter. So filtering for gay men is bad, but filtering for trans and non-binary is okay, at Grinder, You recognize trans slash non-binary needs to discriminate while invalidating precisely the same need for gay men. Delete your service, at Grinder. You're no longer needed. I could have told you that. I could have told you that. It's always it was always ludicrous to believe that that movement wouldn't stay in their place in, in their place in the homosexual world. And as they stretched their little fairy wings, they would destroy homosexuality altogether. See, for them, they want to say that homosexual men or women are actually trans. And they should try to be trans. And if they did that, then their numbers would swell from what it is. And uh, whatever, you know. I, I just, I, I, I so enjoyed seeing the rainbow flag shatter. That was one of those things that you just couldn't, you just can't write that kind of stuff. This is the kind of stuff that a genius writer would have written back in the days of Laugh-In, which predates Saturday Night Live, which really began to think that it was something it wasn't or isn't. When we get back, uh, Joe, Joe Biden decided to play the old man with the poor memory, <laughs> and then he proved it. Then he proved it. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas. <laughs> 